generation room going, what was that thing, right? It's called a vinyl record. Get one, right? Right? Uh, you know, today we are going to begin a new series called Love Songs. And typically, when you think about love songs, um, I think most of the time we think of those songs are like the warm, fuzzy love songs, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like my favorite song, one of my favorite songs, it was by Lionel Richie and Diana Ross. Endless love. Anybody remember that song, you know? I mean, there's something I just love about that. Even when it says, you know, my love, you're every breath that I take. You're every step that I make. And then she's like, my first love. There's only you in my life. And I'm thinking, isn't that what marriage is supposed to be like? You're like, yes, I want that kind of relationship where I'm every breath that she takes. I'm every move that she's made, right? I mean, I mean, I want that kind of love song. And so we think of those kind of love songs, those warm fuzzies. But the truth of the matter is this. A lot of the songs that we would classify as love songs don't just deal with the warm, fuzzy stuff. Some of them talk about hurt, right? If you've ever listened to a Taylor Swift song, am I right? Right? I mean, if you want to know about her love life, just listen to her music, right? And it's all about those hurts that you go through. But sometimes those love songs are not just about hurts, but they're about loss, right? The loss of a loved one. And then there's songs that are like this one. Listen to this one. Anybody remember this one? Yeah. Yeah. Celine Dion, who was not the original singer of that song, right? There you go. There you go. Celine, I mean, and there's songs like that about being by yourself. And in fact, there's a Hunter Hayes song that for the young ones would say, uh, it's entitled, Everybody Has Someone But Me. And that's the whole premise of the song is everybody's got somebody but me. And a lot of the love songs, if you think about them, what you listen to is about being alone or what we're going to talk about today, and that's singleness. And probably in my well over 30 years of being a believer and being in church life, I've never heard a message on singleness. And you probably haven't either. And today we're going to dive into a really powerful scripture about being single. And so I've done a lot of research on being single, and I've read a lot of articles, more than I care to read, about being single. Because here's the thing that I want us married people in the room to realize, right? We don't understand. We don't. I was married at 21. I don't get singleness. I don't understand it. I don't know the struggles with that. I don't know the hurdles with that. I do not know. So I was forced to read a ton and a plethora of articles about those who wrestle and that are a part of that lifestyle who love and they're living that idea of singleness. And one thing as I'm reading that just kind of overwhelmed me was there seems to be a real cultural negative overtone about those that are single and toward those that are single. Here's what I mean. When you, when you read this stuff in the culture, what you kind of uh, can discern is this, is that there's this real sense that for those that are single, they, they seem to be that, that, uh, that group that's marginalized, that group that oftentimes is forgotten and a group that's left out. If you're single and you know what I'm talking about, you can just kind of nod your head because that seems to be the group that just gets left out of everything. One of the things I love about our 242 groups is, yes, we have some co-ed groups, but we have a lot of men's groups and we have a lot of women's groups. And here's why. Because we don't want single people to be marginalized. 
We want you to connect with people and love on people, and your marital status should not keep you from being part of a group. And so if you're single and you're not in a group, you have no reason anymore, all right? Because we have groups for you. But I think it's a group that sometimes gets marginalized, but also I think it's a group that sometimes is made to feel this way, that the only way to be really complete is if you're married, I was reading a lady, you can look her up later, her name is June Hunt. June Hunt is a Christian author. She's a single lady, not like Beyonce, but she's a single lady, and she uh, writes a lot of articles, and a friend of mine kind of turned me on to her, and I've been reading a lot of her stuff, and her theology is great, and one thing she says this, that I feel like as I go out in the world and I meet people and I introduce myself, that there's this real sense that, that I'm not complete in their eyes because I'm not married. She says, almost like they feel pity for me, like, oh, you poor thing. You know, that person's going to come along. She says, I don't want that person to come along. This is where God has me and what God has for me, and I'm okay with that. I'm at peace with that. She's like, I, I, there's this, this pity sense that I feel from people, and she's like, it's almost like the only way to be complete is if you're married, and since I'm not married, somewhere along the lines, maybe I failed, maybe somewhere along the lines, I'm damaged. But here's what I want you to hear me, because if you're single, if you're not single, you're like, I don't see that, but if you're single, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. Maybe you felt marginalized, even in churches, you felt marginalized. Or maybe someone's made you think that if you're not married, somehow you're not whole and you're not complete. Colossians 2.10 reminds us of this. The only thing that completes us is Jesus himself. Not a spouse, not kids, and not even grandkids, but only Jesus completes us. So today we're going to look at, and we're, I want you to think with me, about singleness. Because here's the thing, even the Apostle Paul says stuff like this, that the single lifestyle is as valuable as those who choose the lifestyle of marriage. And the whole point Paul kind of drives toward is this, is that single people are not second-class citizens. They're not a group to be marginalized. In fact, when you were in, if you think about Paul's culture and Paul's time, I mean, what he is saying is so counter the culture. I mean, in Paul's time, I mean, you think about just Mary. We talk about Mary, the virgin birth. She was betrothed to Joseph. And we all know this, that she had Jesus somewhere probably between that 13 and 15-year-old age. She was a young girl. She was somewhere between 13 and 15. But just notice this. She was engaged during that time. So what age do you think they got married back in that time? Young. Like early teens, I mean, you know, mid-teens to before they even got to be an adulthood. I mean, so when Paul says this, some words that we're going to read about singleness, it was so countercultural. And so today, I want us to look deeply at singleness. Now, this message, and if you're married, you're like, dude, this is not for me today, right? You're going to wait for the next two weeks. But I want to say this to you. This is as much for you as a married person as it is for the single people in the room. Because if you're married today, you probably know somebody that's single. You probably know somebody that maybe has felt marginalized. Someone has felt left out. Someone who's made been feel like if you're not married, you're not complete. And now you're going to have some really biblical foundational tools to show them, to encourage them about their singleness. And if you're single today, I pray that you find a ton of encouragement. Because today what I want us to look at is not just singleness. I want us to look at the beauty of singleness. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is where we're going to be today. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And as you're turning there, there's some things I want you to know. Paul gives us three categories of single. And I just want to read those to you, explain those, and then we're going to find the beauty of being single. Here it is in chapter 7, verse 8, it says this. He says, to the unmarried and to the widows. 
And then in verse 25, he says, now concerning the betrothed. So he's listed three groups of people. First of all, widows. Widows was not just talking about just the women, but it was widows or widowers. Those that were married, that lost their spouse, their widow or widower. So what he's going to say applies to widows and widowers. We have some of those in the room today. The other group, he says, is the unmarried. Now, you immediately would think that's the people that are saying, well, that's not necessarily what he's talking about. Unmarried means if you follow that Greek train of words, which I know you all love to do, if you follow that train of Greek words, it literally means someone who once was married but is no longer married. They are unmarried. You get that? They're, uh, they weren't were, but now they're, they're unmarried. It means those that are single due to divorce. That's who's Paul talking, he's talking to. And then he comes back to a group and he says betrothed. Now, the word betrothed means, in the literal translation, is virgins. And it means, what it's talking about is those that have never been married. So you've got those that are widows or widowers. You've got those that have been married and now have, are divorced and they're single. And then you've got those that have never been married. So Paul is going to address all three categories of single people. And in this passage, we're going to see the beauty of singleness. The first thing I want you to know about the beauty of singleness is that singleness is a blessing from God. Now, I'm not, uh, there's a point you're going to think today that I'm dogging marriage, and I'm not, because I am one, right? But singleness is a blessing from God. Now, I want to say that again, because if you're single, I want you to hear me. Singleness is a blessing from God, because the culture we live in, remember, sometimes pushes the agenda that the only way to be complete, the only way that God has truly blessed you is if you're married. Listen to me, because you're single is not the chastisement of God. It's not God disciplining you go, oh, you're such a terrible person, I'm just going to make you be single the rest of your life. That's not what's going on here. And we need to know that singleness is a blessing from God. Look at with me in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 7. He says this, now as a concession not a command. Now, real quick, pause there. You need to know this. Paul's saying, I'm not telling you something and ending it with, thus saith the Lord. This is not a command of God. This is a concession, meaning I'm going to say some things to you that are truthful and you need to hear, and it's not a commandment of God. It is my take on the situation. Now, Paul's take is still a take of someone who's, who, who's teaching as an apostle of Christ, meaning he has apostolic authority, meaning when Paul says something, it's as if God had said it. So it's, it carries a lot of weight. So Paul says, as a concession, not a command, listen to this. I say this, I wish that all were as myself I am. Now, what was Paul? Single. So listen, here's what Paul just said. I wish all of you were single. And then he goes on and says this, verse 7. I wish all of you were as myself I am. But each has his own gift, underline that, gift from God. One of one kind and one of another. Now here's what Paul says. First of all, I wish all of you were like me. Single. Now, we're going to find out in a minute why he says that. But did you notice what else he said there? He said that each one of you has been given a gift by God. One is given this gift, and one is given that gift. Now, our first inclination is to think, well, he's talking about spiritual gifts, right? First Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about how God has gifted us spiritually. But if you read it in context, that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's been talking about marriage. He's talking about singleness. He's talking about two people being together. I mean, he's talking about this context of marriage and singleness. And here's what Paul is saying. Marriage is a gift of God. Singleness is a gift of God. To one, he gives this gift, and to the other, he gives that gift. But you all have received a gift of God. Now, I'm telling you, if you're single in the room, you've got to start rethinking singleness. Because if the singleness is the place that God has you for the rest of your life, 
That is a gift from God. Now, I know some of you in the room today may say this, Doug, I'm single, but I really don't want to be, right? I'll get to you at the end of the message today, all right? But the point is this, it is a blessing from God. God doesn't give gifts that aren't blessings, do they? Does he? Does God give gifts that aren't blessings? No. And what we need to know is what Paul is saying is that, that God has given a gift to each his own gift from God. To one it's this, to one it's that. So marriage is a gift from God, and so is singleness a gift from God. Now here's why this is so beautiful. Because Paul is reminding us that whether you are in a lifestyle of being married or in a lifestyle of singleness, they are both equal in the kingdom of God. You both matter. Nobody is, is un unusable. Nobody is expensable. I mean, expendable. I mean, you just, you both matter in the kingdom. So here's the deal. I believe that singleness, which is a gift from God, should be celebrated just like marriage is celebrated. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to be proud of. Why? Because it is a blessing and it is a gift of God. Are you, if you're with me on that, say amen. amen. I'm telling you, as I, the articles, I, I'm telling you, the articles I read, it was disheartening. How single people just feel disenfranchised, how they feel marginalized, how they may, are made to feel. And I'm like, I don't get it. I got married at 21, so I don't necessarily understand that. But if you're single, if you're the widow or the widower, or if you've been married and now divorced, or if you're single and never been married, you probably get what we're talking about today, more so than anybody else in the room. But here's what I really want you to get, that being single, it is a blessing from God. The second beautiful thing about singleness is this. It has fewer burdens to carry. Listen to in verse 25. Skip down to verse 25 through 28. He says, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give you my judgment. And here's that concession thing. As one of the Lord's mercies is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, underline that, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. In other words, if you're married, don't get unmarried based on what I'm saying. He says, are you free from a wife? Don't seek one. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if your betrothed marries, a woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you from that. Now, here's what Paul's saying. It's Paul saying that a single person is completely, carries no burdens at all. No, it's not what he's saying at all. But a single person carries less burdens than a married person. And I know that sounds like, well, that's just, I don't believe that. Well, listen to what he says. He gives two kinds of burdens. The first burden he mentions is uh, the present distress. He's like, I, would, I wish you would stay single if you're single due to the present distress that's going on. And you say, well, Doug, what is present distress? Well, I'll tell you. The present distress that Paul's referring to is the persecution that believers are facing from the Roman government. Meaning that if you were a believer in the first century church, the time of Paul, all believers face persecution from the Roman government. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about entitled, but you really follow Jesus, you are going to be persecuted. If you don't believe me, just read the book of Acts, right? I mean, you will be persecuted. And here's what Paul's saying. As a believer, we're all going to be persecuted if we're following Christ. But you add facing persecution on top of that, you need to, you're working on loving a wife or loving a husband and you're loving children and you're loving grandchildren. That is a lot because in marriage, you have to be, consider more people than just yourself, right? When you make a decision as a married person, is it based on what you feel is right or based on what you feel is right for the family? Now, you don't want to say it this way, but I'm going to say it. 
that's a burden. That's a greater, I mean, if I make a decision for Doug, well, I want to pray through that decision and spiritually make the right decision, that is a level of burden. But when I'm making a decision and I wait on how it affects my wife, how it affects my three boys, how it affects my other family, how it affects people that I care about and love, I mean, that is a greater burden than if it were just me, myself, and I. And I'm not talking about being selfish today. I'm talking about the burden is greater there, right? So that means when persecution comes to an individual, it doesn't just come to the individual, it comes to the family too, Right? which means suffering is greater and struggles are greater, right? And Paul's saying, listen, I want you to be aware of that, that when, when persecution, it's greater in the framework of being married than the framework of being single. So he mentions present distress. And the second one he mentions in the scripture, he says worldly troubles, which a better translation is, is troubles in this life. So one burden he talks about is the present distress, persecution, and then he says, troubles in this life. The phrase troubles in this life literally means pressed under pressure. That's a little confusing, isn't it? Pressed under, here's the best example I'll give. If you took an egg and you put it in a C-clamp and you tightened it down, that is pressed under pressure. And if you press it hard enough, what will happen? It'll break, right? That's what the word, that's really, and it's interesting that Paul would give this word picture of marriage, right? Marriage is a relationship that is pressed under pressure, meaning that when you're married, you're going to face struggles, and you're, I mean, here's the thing, you're going to face things as an individual. You're going to have pressure just as a person, but when you add on top of that another person to the equation, it gets a little bit more intense, doesn't it? I mean, think about this way. Marriage is the idea, Paul says, of being pressed under pressure. Think about this. You take two people and you put them together. Two people with two personalities, right? Two people with two personalities, two family backgrounds, two sets of interests, two sets of passions, two sets of worldviews, and you put them together. Do you think you're going to have a little bit of pressure? You better believe it. More pressure than just if you were single and dealing with the troubles of this world? You better believe it. It's plenty hard enough to deal with the trouble of this world by yourself, but you add another person in the equation, it gets more difficult, right? So here's the thing. Marriage is a gift from God. It is. But it brings its own set of struggles that you don't have when you're single. Doug didn't say it, Paul said it. And here's what I think we need to know. Here's what I think we need to think about and we need to know this morning is that marriage, listen to me, and you might even want to write this down. Marriage doesn't make you happier. Marriage won't make you closer to God. Marriage doesn't make you a better person. Marriage does not complete you. Jesus completes you. But marriage does bring its own set of struggles with it. Now, if you're single, you're going, whew, I'm sure glad to hear that, right? Because here's the deal. When you're single, man, there's just, there's, there are burdens of life. You do face persecution. You will have troubles in this life. But that is drastically different than the burdens you will carry if you're married. The troubles will be greater, not because you don't have troubles world, but you've added marriage on top of that. And if you're a married person in the room, you know there's struggles in marriage. Amen? You know that. If not, you haven't been married long enough. Because they are. Right? Or you just don't talk to each other. They are. And if you're single, man, there's going to be times of persecution. But when you're married... I mean, it's harder and it's heavier because you've got more to consider. And see, one of the beautiful things about being single is it carries 
fewer bur- has fewer burdens to carry. Let me give you the third thing about the beauty of singleness. And it's this, it's easier to avoid distractions. It's easier to avoid getting distracted. Now, here's what I mean. As a believer, we have a mission, right? You know what the mission is? You know what the mission is? Mission is Matthew 28, go make disciples. Be salt and light in a dark world. That's the mission. That mission is true whether you're single, whether you're married, if you're breathing and you're a believer, that is your mission in life. And that's the thing we should be striving for, working toward, and moving our life toward. And if you're single, what we're gonna find out is it's easier to avoid getting distracted from the mission. Listen to what Paul says in verse 29. He says, this is what I mean, brothers. The point of time has grown very short. Now on, from now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none. That's, that men, don't, don't celebrate that one, all right? We're, all right, well, I'm gonna come back to that. Just don't, don't be like, woohoo, okay? Act like they have none. Those who mourn act as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. Here's what Paul says. Life and time is getting short, and we all have to live with a sense of urgency. The time on this earth, the time that we we have to share the good news, to be on mission, to share the love of Christ, to make disciples. That time is coming short and we all need to be urgent. So if you're married, enjoy being married, but don't let it take you away from the mission that God has for you. If you're in mourning, it's okay to mourn, but don't forget that God is in control and take you away from the mission that God has for you. If you are joyful and you're filled full of joy right now, that's awesome. But just also know that part of following Christ, suffering is gonna come. And if you're into buying things and goods, just make sure that whatever you do, you're a good steward because ultimately we need to realize this world is passing away. <coughs> it is passing away. And we need, listen, we need to keep first things First, my football coach when I was a kid, Coach Weber, you say this, keep the main thing, the main thing. And it is easier to keep the main thing, the main thing, single versus married. And you say, well, how is that? Well, listen to what Paul goes on to say. Because some of you, listen, I know some of you are just going to push back on this. Some of you are going to go, I just don't agree with you. Well, cool. you're probably married. You're probably married. And you, and you listen, and, you, and we, 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 we want to have that beautiful picture of marriage, and it is beautiful, that it's all awesome, and it all ends with a happy ending, and, and we just, you know, we, we walk through the, on the rose petals, and this is all great, and, but here's the deal. You know this if you're married. There are burdens that you carry that are more weighty than if you weren't married, and there's distractions we face that would be much less and easier to avoid if we weren't married. True? Here's why Paul says it's true. Here we go. Verse 32 through 35. He says this, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his what? Wife. Wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about things of the Lord, how to be holy in her body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her uh, husband. I say these things, how to, ple- how to please her husband. I say these things for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Here's what Paul says. 
If you're unmarried, you're single, man, you have one care in your life. How do I live to please the Lord? That's it. The one thing that should occupy your time, your attention, and your effort is how do I live in a way that pleases the Lord? If you're a single woman, whether you're widowed or unmarried, been divorced, or you've never been married, he says you have one one devotion in your life. You have one concern and care in your life. It's how do I live a life that is holy in my body, in my spirit? How do I live a life that is pleasing to the Lord? But if you're a married man, you're goal is this in marriage is obviously how do I please my wife? Right, men? Right, men? You do know Valentine's Day is Wednesday, right? I would ask you if you've already bought a gift or if you'll wait. I've already bought one. That, I did it in prep for the mess. No, I'm just kidding, right? I mean, listen, aren't you concerned? I mean, as a husband, don't you care about pleasing your wife, what you can do to build her up, to encourage her, to nurture, to make her feel like she is the most amazing woman? Isn't that one of your concerns? And I'm a dog, but isn't that one of your concerns? Yes, it is. And if you're a woman that's married, isn't one of your concerns how to please your husband? See, here's the truth. In marriage, we are consumed at some level with how to please our spouse. And whether you like what I'm about to say or not, here's the thing. Well, that is okay. And it's part of marriage. It still is dividing our loyalties, right? It still divides us somewhat. Even though it's great to love your wife and encourage your wife and be consumed with how to please her, even though it's great to love your husband and care about your husband and live to how to please him, that still divides us from the mission a little bit. And we have a little bit of divided loyalty in that moment. I've got a wife and kids that I love and I adore and I want to show my love for and I've got the Lord Jesus who I love and want to live for. There's still a little bit of division there, isn't there? But if you're single, it's so much easier to have an undivided loyalty to the Lord, right? See, one of the beautiful things about being single is this. It's so much easier to avoid the distractions that keep us from living out the mission of God. So if you're single today, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to go, singleness is a gift of God. Singleness, while it does have burdens, the burdens I carry are much less than if I were married. Singleness, while I will have distractions, it's easier to avoid those distractions when I'm not occupied with caring and concerning about somebody else to take care of and to please because my loyalty will be undivided to the Lord. And then Paul ends with something I think is amazing. Listen to the last four verses. Verse 36. He says, if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly to his betrothed, in other words, the person he's with, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let him marry. Now, here's just kind of be real honest with you. Here's what he's saying. If your urges are beyond what you can bear, get married. <laughs> I mean, don't burn with passions. He says that in another passage. Don't burn with lustful passions. I mean, if you're wired that way, I mean, get married. He says this, it is no sin. Verse 37, but whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and his determined, his desire, has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. In other words, if you're already engaged and you love her, you can go ahead and marry. That's fine. So then he who marries his betrothed does well and refrains from marriage also even does better. In other words, if you don't get married, that's even better. And then he says this in verse 39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. That's where we get till death do its part in the ceremony, by the way. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married 
to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, this is Paul's concession, she is happier if she remains as she is, which is single, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Now here's what Paul's saying. There is beauty in singleness, but marriage is an option. Now I'm not saying that as like, well, I guess I can settle for marriage. That's not what I mean, all right? <laughs> marriage is an option. Now here's what I, when you read that passage, I don't have time to break all that out because there's so much good meat there, but let me just kind of give you general what Paul just said. Marriage, to be married is a spiritual decision we all make that are married. It is a spiritual decision that you make. But you notice there what he said, that if you're married, you're married for life, right? Now we also know that Jesus, well, let's, talk, let's bring Jesus in the equation, right? Jesus gives an exception, right? That of infidelity, that of adultery, that is, that is biblical grounds. Paul gives another exception, which is desertion. It's not just physical desertion, it's desertion over the vows. So there are biblical exceptions for divorce, but ultimately Paul saying is that when you get into this thing, you need to get into it with this mindset that till death we do part. We need to be all in with everything. While there still are exceptions, we need to be all into that, right? That's what he's saying. Now, at the same token, while marriage is a spiritual decision, listen, singleness is also a spiritual decision. Do you see what Paul said at the very end? Verse 40, if we can put that back up. In my judgment, she'll be happier if she remains as she is, which is single. And I think that I too have the spirit of God. In other words, I think I'm a spiritual person. I'm single. I think I love Jesus. I'm not married. So being single is also a spiritual decision. So while there's beauty in singleness, let me just say this. If you're that person, just like you want it, I gotta get married, I gotta get married, it's okay. Marriage is an option. And as long as, he says, you marry those or of the Lord, meaning believers, and you get into it thinking it's gonna be for life. Now, we know there's exceptions, and we'll talk about that another time. There's exceptions to divorce, but at the end of the day, you're in it for life. Just like singleness is a spiritual decision. Now, as I wrap this up today, I know some of you are like, man, I, I, you know, if you're married, you're like, what have I got myself into, right? You know, if you're married, I mean, life would be so much easier, right? Now, here's what I want to say to you. Marriage is a gift from God. Amen? Amen. Okay, that was not very, con that was not very convincing. <laughs> Let's try that again. Marriage is a gift from God. Amen. Yes, good. Now, but with marriage, there are burdens, Right? that are greater. And there is distractions that come. And so if you're married in the room today, can I tell you what your takeaway is this? Is that even though you're married and you love your spouse and you love your kids and you love your grandkids and you want to bless them and encourage them, listen, we still have a mission that we cannot neglect. We have a mission. Yes, you love your wife. Paul says that in Ephesians, love your wife as Christ loved the church. So the, it's not like you just don't have to go home and love your wife anymore. It's not what we're talking about. If you're married, I mean, we, there are struggles that come with marriage. There are troubles. There are persecution. There are distractions. At the end of the day, we need to make sure that we're on point, that we don't get distracted, that even though we're married and have a family and love them, that we have a mission as a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's to go make disciples. That's to be salt and light and lead people toward Jesus. We can't forget that mission. Even though we've got a wife to love or a husband to love and kids to love and take care of and be concerned for, we still can't forget the mission to be salt and light into a dark and a broken world. So if you're married, that is your takeaway today. And if you're single today and you say, Doug, my singleness, that is, that is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. I know some people, there's people in our church, if they're single, have always been single, will always be single, they will die single because that's what they know God has them. Here's what I would say to you. 
that is a gift from God. And it's not something you should be ashamed of. You should be proud of it. And you should celebrate your singleness as much as anybody celebrates marriage. And you should celebrate that the burdens you're going to carry are going to be fewer than the burdens if you were married. And you should celebrate that the distractions you're going to have are going to be easier to navigate because you are single. And you know, always remember who you are in Christ and that you're not second-class citizens and that you matter as much to the kingdom as any married person. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now there's the third category in the room. I'm single, but boy, I sure don't want to be. Right? Can I say this to you? That's okay. But God has you where he has you for right now. Right? And here's a promise from Scripture. God knows the desires of your heart. He knows your desires. And I'm going to tell you, it's better to stay single than to marry someone who doesn't know the Lord. And it's better to stay single than to marry for the wrong motivation. I'm just lonely. The wrong. See, I'm only satisfied in Christ. He is enough for me. And so it's better to stay, live a life of single and celibacy rather than marry an unbeliever and rather than marry someone for the wrong motive. And so here's what I'm saying. If you're in the room and you're saying, Doug, I'm single, but I don't want to spend the rest of my life single, here's what I want to say to you. Be content with where God has you and trust him. Trust him. So if you're married, stay on mission. And if you're single, be encouraged. It is a beautiful thing. It is a gift of God. Let's pray together. Everybody stand with me as we pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I know this is one of those messages that we kind of we backtrack from and we're like, I don't know. I, I, you know, but at the end of the day, Lord, your word is true. What Paul tells us is so true, Lord. As a person that's been married almost 24 years, I can see how in marriage the, the burdens are greater because you have so many more people to consider. I see how the trouble of just marriage is there because we live in a world that is broken and sinful and creates all kind of havocs on a marriage relationship. I, I get that. And God, there's no doubt that it is at some level a divided loyalty in our heart because we do love our family and want to nurture them, but yet we have mission. So God, I pray for the married people in the room that today would be a day that we'd be reminded we have a mission from you. And just because we're married and just because we're called to love our wives and train our kids and, and love our kids and nurture them and, and grow them into be young men and young ladies of God doesn't mean we can throw aside the mission. The mission is the most important thing about being a believer. So I pray as a married person, you'd call us back to that. But God, today specifically, I pray for single people. I pray for somebody in the room today that's single, that has felt marginalized, felt pitied, felt like they didn't matter, felt like they had to be married to be complete. I pray today they would be liberated from that. I pray today they would be reminded from your word that singleness is a gift from you. That singleness, while it has burdens, the burdens are fewer than if you're married. While singleness has distractions, it's fewer than if we were married. That singleness is a gift from you. And for those that know that that's their life, may they celebrate it. May they be reminded who they are in you and that they, that they matter in the kingdom and their effectiveness is not, is not measured by whether they're married or not. Their effectiveness is measured by how much they live for you. And God, I pray for those who are single but don't want to spend the rest of their life there. They want to find that someone. They want to find someone to share their life with. I pray that today they could just find that place in their heart to say, Lord, you know the desires of my heart. 
I'm going to be content as long as you have me single. And I trust you. You know my heart. You know my desires. But God, I, I trust you today. God, I pray for the marrieds. We'd be on mission. And I pray for those that are single that we would be content and that we would trust you today. So God, with whatever baggage we have today, may we come to you, may we lay it before you, and may we ask you to work in our lives. We love you, Lord. And it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.